Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm Jonathan Nallen, your host. Today, I want to talk about the topic of offense. In our day and age, the false god that seems to have largely taken over our culture is what I would refer to as a spirit of offense. Sadly, many Christians are far more committed to managing their offense portfolio than they are to being transformed into the likeness of Christ. If we're going to be successful Metron managers, then we must recover our authority over this false god. As I share on this concept, I believe you will find a way to reclaim your condition, the condition of the soul, and in a manner of speaking, become invincible. When I think of the idea of invincibility, often it's superheroes that come to my mind. So why do we like superheroes? They're powerful, they're able to rise above it all, able to overcome, able to define their own path, able to resist evil, able to make things right. In a way, there are iconic visions of what our original design tells us that we were designed to be. Somehow we all know that we were born to wear a cape or suit up, as they say in the superhero movies. So we know this and the devil knows this. So how does he cut you down to size and harness your potential for his plans? He convinces us that we have a right to be offended. Let's look at a famous type of a superhero from Greek mythology, one that was brought down by a tiny vulnerability, Achilles. In my book called Outreach Matters, I write more in depth on this topic, but for the sake of this discussion, let's look at a short excerpt from the chapter titled The Arrow of Offense. In Greek mythology, Achilles was the hero of the Trojan War. He was the central character and the greatest warrior of Homer's Iliad. Although the death of Achilles is not presented in the Iliad, other sources concur that Paris, who shot him in the heel with a poisoned arrow, killed him near the end of the Trojan War. Later legends state that Achilles' body was invulnerable, except for his heel. Because of his death from a small wound in his heel, the term Achilles' heel has come to mean a person's point of weakness. Like this description of Achilles from Greek mythology, believers can also have a point of extreme vulnerability. No matter how strong we are in the Lord or how mature we may be in our spiritual walk, it's possible for Christians to have a similar vulnerability. It's a place in your heart, this Achilles heel, if struck by the poisonous arrow of offense, it will at the least immobilize you and at worst destroy you. I've even seen the damage that this arrow has caused, not only among new believers, but also among more senior figures in the body of Christ. Everyone can face a situation where arrows of offense are speeding towards this place of spiritual and emotional vulnerability. Of all the types of arrows that will be fired at you during the course of your life, none are more prevalent than the one once lodged in your Achilles heel causes you to take on offense towards another person. 
So do I have a right to be offended or is offense actually an Achilles heel? I would propose that we do not have a right to be offended. Fundamentally, what allows for us to live as though we have a right to be offended is the faulty presupposition that we have any rights at all as followers of Christ. Submission is an unpopular topic, but it is the ultimate key to life in the family of God. If Christ is King and Lord, and you have chosen to submit yourself to Him and His rule and His reign, then you only have rights that He grants you. This is the heart of lordship in a believer's life. To come under the lordship of the king of kings, one must surrender all. This is the less emphasized aspect of true Christian conversion. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wants to save his soul or his life will lose it, but whoever loses his soul or his life for my sake will find it. Conversion involves repentance, but also requires losing one's life or soul so that you can save it. This scripture makes it clear that if we don't submit, we are trying to rule our own life or our soul, and this is actually how we lose it. When you fully submit to Christ, you are then fully under his rule and reign. When you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. He gives us back in purified form what we are willingly laying down at his feet. For our sake, he vets and sifts out our life. He gives us back what is compatible with the kingdom of God. This is truly the process of sanctification and purification, the process that we undergo as believers. For the sake of this discussion, I want to point out one thing that is not compatible with the kingdom of heaven, a spirit of offense. There is only one God that we're allowed to bow down before. So as we're talking about offense, what does it actually mean? In a dictionary sense, the definition is something that outrages the moral or physical senses, the act of displeasing or affronting, the state of being insulted or morally outraged. Here we get into some sports definitions, the offensive team or members of a team playing offense or offensive positions, the means or method of attacking or an attempt to score, scoring ability, the act of attacking or assault, that's an offense, an infraction of law, a breach of moral or social code, sin or misdeeds. So in this discussion, we're focused on the non-sports definitions mentioned here. As you can see in these definitions, it's a real phenomena. The central point, though, is that offense is something we must choose to receive and also choose not to give. But how do we come under the authority or the power of offense? How does it become an offensive spirit or a spirit of offense in our life? Offense is something that can be taken on. If we do not repent for taking offense and forgive those who trespass against us, then offenses can become an unsanctified component of our identity. If something is unsanctified, it's not submitted to Christ. If not submitted to Christ, then it's under the lordship or the jurisdiction of someone or something else. I would suggest that this unsanctified terrain in our souls becomes an active beachhead for the powers of darkness. Remember, you serve whomever you're submitted to. When we come into agreement with offense, then it begins to influence every aspect of our lives. Once offense has been admitted in and then we submit to it, it essentially becomes our Lord. 
If it's our Lord, it begins controlling our thoughts and actions. It can and does become a king in our lives. And then it becomes a power or a spirit that directs our paths. There's only room for one king on the throne of your heart. If you truly made Jesus Lord, then there is no room for the spirit of offense. Nowhere in scripture do we see that we are entitled to anything other than what God has promised us. Offense is a violation, or at least the perception of offense, we feel, is a violation of that to which we think we're entitled, or you could say promised. The spirit of offense and an entitled mentality are partners in crime that aim to diminish God's superheroes and ultimately cause you to lose. When the spirit of offense comes on someone, the cape God gave them comes off. It damages your identity. So how does the spirit of offense operate? It's a targeted attack designed to make you powerless. I describe this attack as the arrow of offense. This universally effective secret weapon will disarm and subdue anyone, including Christians. You want to lose everything? Choose to be offended. Offense makes you powerless. You are overcome instead of overcoming. You're controlled. When a person finds themselves powerless and controlled, what happens? One resists, one complies, maybe you give up, or you fight for your rights. Maybe you fight back. Powerlessness is the root of most problems in the human condition. We're designed to be powerful. We all have this tinge in our souls that remind us that we are royalty. We are created to rule and reign with Christ. When we are powerless, our very design is violated. God intends you to be powerful, walking in spiritual authority and living above and not below the world system. Offense is the devil's weapon to subjugate you to his will, to his system. Being offended and reacting from a position of offense guarantees you are dominated by the very thing you think you're resisting. So offense equals powerlessness. Living unoffended equals invincibility. Basically, you're a superhero in the spirit. So let's address this obvious question. Do I have a right to be offended? I would say only if you want to destroy and be destroyed by poison. And it's a fate of your own choosing. The spirit of offense is a counterfeit for true, powerful living. So let me continue quoting from my book, Outreach Matters, regarding offense. You cannot control what arrows may come your way but you can control whether or not you allow them to strike you and poison you. Like Achilles, you may be invincible in every other way, but a single poisoned arrow of offense could ruin and destroy the potential of your team or your life or your church or your business or your family. You have to learn to overlook offenses. So how does offense destroy? In his excellent book on this topic titled The Bait of Satan, author John Bevere says it this way, We build walls around ourselves when we become offended. Love does not go out and love does not come in, which results in selfishness, betrayal, and hatred. Offended people justify their behavior rather than repent of unforgiveness. Offense cuts off the flow of love. If you cut off the offended person, you're withholding your love. Love is the lifeblood of the family of God, and without it, your family 
will slowly perish. So here are some relevant questions and concerns that may come to mind in this discussion. How do we live free from offense? How do we avoid being pawned by the enemy in this area? How do we avoid having this Achilles heel? What weapons and tactics do we have to maintain our powerful position and our identity in the kingdom or in our Metron, I would say? Let's look at some practical weapons and tactics that we can use to defeat the spirit of offense. Or as I would say, keep your cape on as a superhero in Christ. So you must move in the opposite spirit. Here's the first one. You don't have authority over what you're submitted to. As an example, the Bible says we bless and don't curse. We pray for those who persecute us. Romans 12, 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What's an example? It's not some mystical practice. It's literally as simple as it sounds. If someone is hating on you, then what is the opposite of that action or that attitude? You express unconditional love, maybe affirmation towards them. Is someone lording it over you? Try serving them or their interests. In the natural, people may think you're ridiculous, but in the spiritual, it short circuits the enemy's system. It renders him powerless over you. This is part of keeping your cape on right here. Second example, keep short accounts. The Bible says, love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, it does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of wrong suffered. You are going to be wronged and you're going to suffer. Otherwise, there would not be direction given on what to do with this list or this account regarding being wronged or suffering. So we keep short accounts. We don't add it up. Humans tend to be less than stellar at managing their own finances, but humans are all CPAs when it comes to managing our offense portfolio. You may know someone, or it may be you, who are professionals in this area of bookkeeping. Ask yourself this question. Do you regularly remind others of things they did days ago, years ago? That is keeping a record of wrongs. The only one that is going to pay that debt back is you if you don't get free from offense. You might be thinking, how in the world can I get the memories of those wrongs out of my mind? The Bible reveals the secret to getting free from offense. It's love. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I would say also a multitude of offenses. The key is choosing love when it seems impossible. In fact, it is impossible without God. That's why the world is so filled with offense. If God chose to love you when you were unlovable, when you were offensive to him, then we also are required to love the unlovable. We do what we see our dad doing in this family, in the kingdom of God. So number three, don't let it stick. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. No matter what has been said or what has been done, even though you may feel you have a legitimate reason to take up an offense, if you do, you will not only bring destruction on yourself, but you'll also miss out on a chance to gain glory from heaven. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, 
we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The idea of becoming glorious is to become more like the author of glory. The more like Jesus we become, the more glorious we become. Overlooking an offense is a central dynamic of being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Why does overlooking an offense make you glorious? Because it stands out as humanly impossible. It's like the act of a superhero. It is humanly impossible. The original word for glory in the Hebrew is tefara. It means glorying, boasting of or as an individual. So when we don't react to what should be offensive in the world's eyes, or that we even react in the opposite spirit, that is glorious. That is keeping your cape on in the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example from my life of having to overcome and overlook offense. When I was working in uh, the outer reaches of Siberia as a young missionary, we used to have these representatives from the Russian Orthodox Church. They'd come over to our apartment regularly. They were young guys, really nice guys, well-dressed, very kind, composed. They'd come over to have tea. But what they really wanted to do was have an opportunity to regularly and emphatically remind us that we were working for the Antichrist. We might be the Antichrist, or we were at least enemies of God. We were blasphemers, apostates. We were serving Satan. We'd all talk about this over tea, very politely, very civilized. Uh, But as you can imagine, that's a pretty offensive statement. That's just not the feedback you want to hear from the local Christian community leaders when you're serving as a missionary. So we would respond like this. We'd kindly thank them for their visit. We would offer them more tea. We would offer them lunch ask them to come back and visit again, ask if we could pray for them. Generally, they would strongly decline all of these offers, but they'd come back again. Every time they'd come to visit, we had to overlook incredible offenses and keep loving people regardless. Remember, we don't have a right to be offended. We have a commission to be glorious, just like our Father. Let's talk about some of the consequences of offense. What are some of the real consequences of holding on to your right to be offended? Well, number one, you become an offender. A key indicator that you're losing your power to a spirit of offense is that you're also being used to offend others. This is the primary way that you are used or pawned by the enemy. He takes your authority and power and weaponizes it against God and other people. You become the very thing you were offended by. You become offensive. You become an offender, essentially. If you find that you're regularly offending other people, and possibly God, even if you don't realize it at the time, it's a solid indicator that you've been subjugated by a spirit of offense. Then the enemy wants you to become a conduit of offense. You're giving offense and taking offense, going back and forth. You're sourcing hell's attitudes into God's creation. This is the sad cycle of offense, giving offense, taking offense, reacting to offense, being offended. You're sourcing from the wrong system. The spirit of offense operates in an offensive, no pun intended, manner and a defensive manner. Both manifestations are likely operating in a person who is under a spirit of offense. 
What's the second consequence? I would say the loss of joy. The greatest loss a superhero suffers when they are overcome by offense is the loss of joy in their life. Have you lost the joy in your life? This is a primary indicator that you have been defeated in this area. Offense displaces the very gift of joy that God has given you. If you lose your joy, you lose your strength, according to Scripture. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you feel powerless, it's because you have lost your joy. If you have lost your joy, it's because you have been overcome by offense. Our greatest battle as a superhero in the kingdom is to resist and overcome the spirit of offense, particularly in the day and age that we live in. What would it be like to be able to read posts on social media and not be offended or feel good about someone else being offended by a post you agreed with? What would life be like if you watched or read the news and no matter how terrible something came across to you, you didn't identify a person as a problem. You didn't take offense at a person. That would be true freedom. That would be true invincibility. So in conclusion, what are some indicators that we're living free from offense, that we're keeping our cape on as a superhero in the kingdom of God? I'll give you a quick list. Use it to analyze yourself, survey yourself, and evaluate your own feedback. We don't maintain a right to be offended. We don't allow ourselves to be offended or give offense, and we apologize if we do. We don't keep a record of people's wrongs. We don't view people as a problem. We don't allow offense to cause us to react or not to react. We maintain joy in every aspect of our life. We walk in strength or power in every aspect of our life and our metron. We're powerful. We love the unlovable. We are willing to serve those that try to lord it over us or other people if God asks us to do so. We live invincible to offense, and it seems glorious to the world around us. It's a testimony to the world of how we overcome by the power of Christ in us. To be a successful Metron manager in the kingdom of God, you have to keep your cape on. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.